Hi, everyone. It's Nick. I usually like to wait to reveal our next Game Club pick until the end of the episode, but I wanted to kick off the podcast with this announcement to make sure that it didn't get buried at the end. So our next games are going to be three short, score-focused shoot-em-ups. Two of them are caravan-style shooters, so they're very short, timed score attacks. And one is a boss rush. And I'm announcing this ahead of time to let everyone know that in the spirit of this style of game, we're going to be hosting a high-score tournament for all three of these games on our Discord. We're going to give everyone about a month to play them, and whoever gets the highest scores across all three games will be the winner. The winner gets one of two prizes. You can either pick one of our awesome homebrew game club pint glasses, which we will send directly to you at no cost, and you can show off to all your friends and look cool and be cool. Or the other prize that you can pick from is that you can pick a game that we will cover on a future episode of this podcast. Any game, as long as it's a homebrew. So if you are listening to this in November or December of 2023, and you are interested in participating in this contest, head over to our Discord, which you can find a link to at homebrewgameclub.com, and jump into the channel for episode 16, Shoot'em Ups. Thanks, everybody. Please enjoy this episode about Kubo 3 and Doodle World. We had a lot of fun recording it, and I think it's one of our favorite episodes so far, and I hope you think so, too. This is the Homebrew Game Club, a podcast about modern, brand new aftermarket video games for retro consoles. On this podcast, we pick one game a month to play and talk about. Today's game is Doodle World and Kubo 3. Two games. My name is Nick, also known as Divertov, and with me today are Bart, also known as Clever Username Needed, and Connor Nash, also known as Connor Nash on most social media platforms. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that on this podcast, we believe in honest opinions, but we also understand that many of these games are not made by professionals. They are labors of love. Also, as a note to our listeners, we are not game developers ourselves. We are just fans. So please keep that in mind as we offer up any criticisms of these games. Okay, let's see. You guys uh, you guys have any uh, any news, anything going on lately? Anything to talk about? Oh We're my God, I feel put here. on the spot. I actually, I have some news. I'm looking, I'm looking at our notes here. I have some news that you don't know about, about Analog, the company. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you suck it up, dude. You don't know anything. You're, you're just, you're catching up in my, my slipstream here. Let's hear it. No, no, no. I'm going to save it. Oh, all right. What? Oh, you're saving it for later? I'm saving it for when you do the news, but like, okay, okay. in terms of like actual news now, there's nothing interesting. How can you tease that? Okay, fine. All right, folks. Here we are, right heading off the podcast. Connor is breaking news about analog. Mm-hmm. So. Nick typing on Google as fast as he can, looking for news. <laughs> yeah, I know he is. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I well, I tell you what. So I did uh, this weekend. I had one hell of a weekend. I went to. Uh, I my my brother got married. Yeah, so I was out of town for that. That was pretty cool. It was a, it was like one of these. Uh, it was like a rural wedding. It was like out in the out in the sticks, kind of like in a barn or something. No, I was sitting there with my wife and and we were talking and I was I kept hearing the music that they were playing at the reception. It was stuff like there was like the uh the ink spots doing doing that uh that I don't want to set the world on fire 
You know yeah, I mean? yeah, from the Fallout game. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, right. And then a uh, couple songs later, and and I'm I'm hearing a lot of these 1950s songs, and and then it transitions to like 1950s like Western stuff. There's like, ain't that a kick in the head? And heartaches by the number. And I'm I'm looking at my wife, and I'm like, they're playing Fallout. <laughs> they're playing Fallout music. And she goes, I recognize all these songs from those games you put because she sat there watching me playing these games for like years. I walked over to my brother, and I'm like, and his uh, and his new bride. And I was like, are you guys playing Fallout? And they're like, oh, my God, I'm so glad somebody recognized the music. That's <laughs> you're, the, you're the first person at this entire wedding to say anything about that. Hmm. The guy with the video game podcast recognized it. Well, and so I, that my brother said, I'm, I'm really surprised that you, that you recognize that. I thought you only played old games. Yeah. I was like, what? You, no, like New Vegas is my my favorite game of all time. And New Vegas came out in two thousand three. It's old. Uh, no, that was two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Okay, I was like, yeah, right at the end of two thousand ten. No, but yeah, that's is, an old game now. That's, that's still a, a pretty old game. game. Like, I mean, yeah. a game that's older than ten years old is probably retro in these days. Well, Fallout Three is definitely like that's got to be like almost fifteen years old now. If it's not, wow, yet, but yeah. But no, I told him, I'm like, no, I totally, I play, I play like new games. You know, what are you talking about? I don't just play old games. He'd know that if he listened to my podcast. I went to his wedding. He can listen to my podcast, right? Anyway. The fuck <laughs> no, I do, but I do. I play new games. I play new games for old consoles. That's what it is. That's what it is. Speaking of which, Homebrew Game Club. Here we are today. We are talking about two games. The common theme running between both of these games is that they were made with contributions from children. The little people. <laughs> the, the, the little people. Yeah, Doodle World and Kubo 3. Starting out here, we, I, you guys want to talk about Doodle World first? That's what I got in my notes here. Sure. Is that cool? Sure. All right. Doodle World. Yes. This is a NES Maker game, NES Maker. The, uh, this one had a Kickstarter in October of 2020, where it raised $17,382. I was one of the backers. And uh, I tell you what, I backed it. Uh, he was on Video Game Sage talking about this game, and I I remember telling him, I'm backing this game because it has a kids mode. I just thought I would love that. I want to see more of that. And I was looking for stuff to introduce my own children to NES games, and I just love that somebody was doing that. So, yeah, that kind of stuff, assist modes, things like that, is fantastic, and I want to support it. Mm. So, yeah, that game was released in January of 2021. And it was totally rad. The I got the Kickstarter complete in box. The NES box has crayons in it. Nice. That's so cute. Love yeah. It. So the you know the styrofoam block at the bottom of the NES box, he cut it in half, and half of that space is occupied by a pack of crayons. That's amazing. I love it. I really do. Yeah. So that is uh, Nate Peters. Nate Peters, originally a St. Louis area native. Just got to give a shout out there. He sent me a photo of his uh, refrigerator once, and it was full of frozen Emo's pizza. So. Nice. <laughs> no, but he designed the character based on a doodle drawn by his four-year-old daughter, Araceli. Game features music by Takumi Granger. And I tell you what, this uh, particular game, I feel like I it has really permeated the homebrew zeitgeist. I feel like I have seen this game freaking everywhere. He, was, he is very good at self-promotion, I guess. Yeah, I've seen all kinds of interviews that he's done. This seems to be like one of the more well-known Nestmaker games. GB Studio, there's a uh, there's a new magazine that's being published about that, and it is uh, excellent. One of the best uh, homebrew publications that I've ever seen. But I was uh, their last issue. I was flipping through it about all these Game Boy games, and I get to the very last page, and there's a full page advertisement for 
Doodle World on Switch. And I was just like, yep, there's, it's, it's everywhere. It's just, well, uh, unless I'm getting ahead of myself here, it's a pretty iconic looking game. I mean, it's a very distinct visual style. When you get your four-year-old daughter to do the graphics work and have the design work done, you're going to get a pretty unique kind of flavor. So I think it, if only for the fact that it stands out as a very signature graphical style, I think it's instantly recognizable. Yeah. Where can you get this game? The You can get the ROM on itch, or you can get it at doodleworldgame.com. It is also on Switch. The Switch uh, is a very nice package, and that that is also for $10. That includes the semi-sequel Doodle World Redrawn. It's like a Doodle World 1.5. A little bit tougher. We'll talk about that one later, like a, like a slightly tougher version of Doodle World. Uh, the physical copies are currently out of stock at doodleworldgame.com. But if you'd like to get one of those, I would keep an eye on that page. You can also get this game on Evercade, Indie Heroes Volume 1 Collection, which has all kinds of cool stuff. It's got Kubo 3, and um, it's got other games that we played. It's got Anguna on it. Dead AS is on there. Uh, I think Flea is on there as well. I don't know. Evercade. I forget Evercade exists. I really... Every time that I remember that, though, I wish I had one. All right. Guys, what kind of game is Doodle World? Tell me about it. For me... It is the mechanics of a side-scrolling platformer through the imagination of a young child. Oh, that's real nice. Where it's like you see platformers and you think they're really cool, like they're, they're really detailed or like they've got a pretty good graphical style. And then you give that game to a kid and the kid plays it and is like, this is fun. The kid's enjoying it. This is like the inverse of that where the kid is like, I want to see what's in my head on the screen when they're playing the game. And it's like, it's just, a, it's a doodle. It's it's like a kid that said, I want to have what's in my brain when I'm playing the game on the screen. And that's what you see. That's That's my description of the game. Yep. And I thought it was very easy until it wasn't. It's, it's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> like, it, for me, if I started to rush, like when I play Super Mario Brothers, I'll hold down the B button, run and jump and, you know, make it through the levels pretty, pretty fast. If I do that on this game, it just destroys me. So, <laughs> like, I think the only time that I played the B, I pushed the B button to run was during some boss fights. The rest of the whole game, like I found that if I got in a hurry or, you know, it was, it just kicked my butt and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking your time, stepping back, taking a breath and going at it easy. Uh, made the game easier for me. And you're right. Uh, just It felt like I was stepping inside someone else's head and it was glorious. Yes. Yeah, I, I love the way that you describe that is a, a platformer as seen through the eyes of a child. Like that's, that's, it really does, it feels like a kid's vision. Man, the, the graphics are just fantastic. They really do look like hand-drawn kind of lines, you know, like crayon. I mean, the first time that I, I played the game, it was on a CRT, and it had that kind of softening effect. And I mean, it, it really did look kind of like drawn on the screen. I was really impressed. I think maybe the the fact that the background is like notebook paper really helps as well. Yeah. Um, I really loved that. That that gave me, I, I give it extra points for that. That was clever. Yeah. Uh, it, so it has, uh, I can't remember how many levels is it, like five maybe, something like that. But each level is, uh, each they are split into three smaller sections. There's a boss fight at the end of every level. There are occasionally bonus areas where you can uh, you can grab a little scrap of notebook paper. And, and uh, one thing you do throughout the game is you collect crayons. So if you collect, you know, like in Mario, you'd be collecting coins. If you collect 100 crayons, you will get an extra life, which you need. 
you will need those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lots of lots of different enemies in different areas. Uh, pretty cool designs there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the game has points. I don't know. You know, it's just uh, for fun. I don't think they actually do anything. You know, they they don't affect your uh, your gameplay at all. And yeah, I would say the difficulty is definitely it is tougher than it looks. It looks like it should be a kid's game. It looks it looks very simple and easy, and then suddenly it kicks your ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the game does have a kids mode, so that is a designed for children. It takes out all the pits, so it makes the jumping a lot easier. You're, you're not going to fall off the screen and die. It also takes all the enemies and turns them all into like the the basic eraser, which is like the Goomba character. They just kind of walk back and forth, and you can jump on them. You can jump on various enemies in this game and kill them, but other enemies you can't. And it's kind of like, you know, you kind of have to use your uh, common sense there. If if you if it's a an eraser, a ruler, or something, you can jump on that. Yeah, if you find a thumbtack walking towards you, maybe don't jump on that. Uh, how'd you guys play this game? I used the ROM uh, and played it on my Mac, um, and it was it was a it was a wonderful experience. Nice. I played it on the Switch. I felt like well. Uh, it was just the most accessible way to quickly get into it, and it was it was a little bit of slowdown. I've got to be honest, uh, some of the performance of the the game on the Switch wasn't top notch, but at the same time, it didn't really distract from the game. Um, it didn't really stop me from enjoying it too much. So I do want to say I reached out to Nate Peters about that because I had the same issue on my Switch, and in fact, I I couldn't even play it on because I have two of them. I got the old model Switch and I got an OLED OLED Switch. I, the OLED switch wouldn't even play it, and so I I reached out to Nate Peters about that. In fact, uh, yesterday, and he's like, "Oh wow, yeah, I got to look into that." And he texted me back. It was not even like like three hours ago as we were recording, and he's like, "Okay, we got it fixed. We figured out what it was. It's a uh, no Nintendo uh, some update that Nintendo pushed, so they're going to patch it." And he says that should be out within the next couple of days. So by the time you're hearing this, the the game should be fixed. What you're saying is my criticism is now redundant by the time this has been published. <laughs> it's like, no, I was, I was, uh, no, because I couldn't even, I couldn't finish Doodle World Redrawn because, uh, because of the issues that I was having, you know, it was like dropping frames and stuff like that. No, it should be fixed now. So I'm, I am looking forward to getting back in there and finally beating that game. But no, yeah, great. I'm glad we could help out <laughs> and to get that reported. True. But yeah. Okay. Uh, no, well, I tell you what. So, no, I played it on Switch, and I found it, um, yeah, like I had those same issues. But I, I was able to finish Doodle World. And I got to say, like, so that was my second time playing through the game. Well, I guess it's a lot it's a lot easier when you have save states that you can use, which you can use on the Switch. I'm the king of the save states, dude. What can I you say? You can use I the save it. states. So the first time I beat this game, I played it on, so it was my Kickstarter cartridge, and I got it in the mail. And I'm like, okay, this looks cool. Let's check it out. It took me about a week, and I did beat the game. I played it on my NES on a CRT, and you do not have saving. You do not have save states. Man, I'm telling you what, there is parts of this game where you can die fast, like repeatedly. What I was finding is that I was like, you really do have to bank lives because you get to some pretty tough parts of this game, and it's like, man, you will just burn through them fast. I don't know, man. I I found this game to be really easy I, honestly I, I i i honestly okay i beat this game in t- about 25 minutes um did you really 25 or 30 minutes and here's the thing though um i didn't die once until the final boss i i just i i just ran Seriously? the game yeah wow. i just ran it well no i'll take that back i died twice because i started running at like the first level and i got got like ahead of myself and got killed so then okay 
I started over and I, I took it slow, like I said earlier. And as from taking it slow and not trying to like run, I was able to go through the entire game up to the final boss without without dying. I think I had like seven lives going into the final boss. And after dying three times on the final boss, I started do, doing a save state. So I think I ended up playing the final boss like 50 times <laughs> just from that, that last wow. save state. Because it took me a minute to figure out the... Um, Time or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and then like ten hits at the end. Holy cow! Yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, the final uh, boss takes a lot. Are you sure you were not pay- playing kids mode? I'm positive there were <laughs> there were scissors, there were pencils, there were thumbtacks. Okay, okay, okay. No, I thought I thought the final boss was actually pretty easy if you figure out the pattern. Yeah, it's a, it's not too hard. But no, yeah, I I you know I wasn't like the toughest freaking game I've ever played, but it was it was not. Yeah, I expected a cakewalk. You know. Just it looks like a children's game. It looks like a kid's coloring book or something. So I <laughs> it deceived yeah, you. It is, it is not, but yeah. All right. Uh, what you get? What else did you guys like about this game? We talked about the graphics, gameplay, pretty good. I loved the gameplay. I thought it was the level design was actually really, really good. Oh, yeah. um, in terms of how it just because the difficulty is in how the level is laid out. It's not like unfair. But no, yeah, it it does it, it it gets up against where I'm not a platform guy, as we've discussed before, and so I did find it pretty challenging for some of the precision platform jumping. But I never found it like irritatingly like precision platform jumping. It was you know the way sometimes platform games can feel unforgiving or like unfair. Even uh, I never felt like that with this game, and I also you know the controls are tight, so like that helped too, right? So it didn't really feel too bad about that um and yeah i just felt like you know the things that it obviously takes from other platforming influences it does very well right little bonus levels where you can you know max out on the number of crayons you've got or like the invincibility status or whatever which does end without warning but you know fulfills the need that you wanted to have yeah i thought that those kind of elements really worked well and they kind of were very cohesive in something that you know felt like it was a real world of doodles yeah, I I I liked it because I thought it was so easy. <laughs> I don't know. It was nice to have a break for me. Uh, the reason I thought I think I think I thought it was so easy is like nothing attacks you from above, nothing really attacks you from behind. It's all pretty straightforward, which I really liked. We've played some platformers on this that have just wanted. I've wanted to throw the cart across the room or throw my computer across <laughs> the room because there's stuff coming at you from above and behind and below, and it's just like, oh lord. Let me uh, let me take a break here, but I really love the design, like you said too. Uh, the, the sprites were awesome. I love the, you know, the, even the the fact that the pencil guys got shot out of the pencil sharpener at the end. I, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> that was a great effect. I loved yeah, that. Yeah, that was that was great. And the the thumbtacks and the scissors, and I was kind of hoping that there would be more enemies that you couldn't jump on. You know, like maybe the scissors should have been walking upside down so the points were up, or or half half the scissors do that, you know. But you know, it's just it was it was great, yeah. Yeah, I thought the difficulty scaling was was pretty good because it's you know like kind of like you were saying the difficulty comes in the level design, and the game is like pretty easy for the first couple levels. I didn't find the platforming very difficult at all, and then you hit that. I think it's the might be like the stage three boss. It's whichever one the lumberjack. I had a real hard time with that lumberjack boss. I just, yeah, that was that was like a buzzsaw going through my lives the, oh. the first several times through until I, I guess I kind of figured out the pattern. I don't know, when I played it through again, 
uh, on the switch, I, man, I dropped a safe state there and I just, that took me a long time to beat that guy. I don't know. Kept throwing logs at me, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm a safe state man and I love using safe states. So it really helped in some of these aspects of the boss fights. But at the same time, it's like, again, it's never unfair. Like the bosses are fairly predictable once you figure out what their patterns are and things like mm-hmm. that. So, right. Well, that one had, you know, because you, you, on all the bosses, you have to jump on their head. And that guy does a thing where he's like flipping logs at you, but they appear like right in front of his face, I think. So you kind of have to jump over the projectile to get to the, like his head so you can jump on it. And um, yeah, that one took me a long time to master when I was playing it on cart. Like that was usually where my run would die. And I'd have to go back and play that one over and over again. But no, it's a, it is not, it is not a super difficult game. It's a, it's just a nice, it's a, it's honestly like a nice, simple challenge. So uh, if you want yeah. a nice, simple NES platformer, like this, this is it. Like this is kind of a, it's kind of a meat and potatoes platformer. This is, it's doesn't, it doesn't get too fancy. You know, you don't have any power ups or anything like that. There's, I don't think there's any. We have the invincibility. Yeah, but I mean, like, let's be honest, it's too short. Invincibility is not very useful. I mean, it's, yeah, it's super short. Like, I, you might kill, like, one enemy with it, two, but, yeah, there's, I mean, other than that, there's there's no power-ups, it's... Um, oh, yeah, like, there's no, like, yeah, shooting fireballs or anything. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. just platforming, that's it, just straight platforming, so... And- I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but this is part of the reason why I felt that I couldn't run through the game is I thought it was hard to figure out which enemies were going to walk off the ledge or oh, not. Yeah. You know, because it was like some of the enemies you'd see, yeah. you'd see an eraser walk and fall off an edge and then the next eraser would walk, hit the edge and turn around and go back the other way. And I could never figure out like there was no kind of signposts to tell me which ones were going to walk off the edge and which ones going to hit the edge and turn around and walk back the other way. So a couple of those deaths in the first level were from that kind of thing, which is why I had to slow down and kind of watch what, what these guys were doing. But did you ever figure out how to tell the difference? No. And now that you're saying that, I mean, I, I did adjust my play style as well because when I was playing on cart, I don't know, I I couldn't tell if the switch version had this issue, but um, obviously I found some of the hit detection on like the erasers was, was really uh it, it seemed like I, I couldn't ever figure out like exactly how to jump on their heads because I would I would die sometimes if I tried to jump on their heads. Hmm. So no, I I would yeah I started playing really cautiously and I would if I saw somebody walk up to a platform I would I would just stop and wait and watch them, you know because sometimes they sometimes they would turn around and sometimes they would just keep walking. You're right. It it almost seemed like random, you know, like yeah. uh, like they would just change. Like I saw some of them bounce off a corner and then turn around and then walk off the other corner. Like I don't even. I don't know what was going on there. Maybe it was random. It, maybe, maybe it was. was. But uh, no, I, what you're saying about playing cautiously, yeah, I think that, I, th- I almost think you have to do that. I would like to see a speed run of this. I think uh, we'll get to redrawn here, but I, redrawn just seems like a game that is like made to speed run. Like it is, a, it's a much faster game. I found it a much faster game. But hmm. no, yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, just boss fights in general. I did want to say that. I, I really enjoyed all the boss fights. I thought the boss fights were where like the graphics were really shine. Yeah, I didn't find most of the bosses too too difficult, but they do look super cool. Some other stuff I want to say. I, I really love the uh, Kickstarter version of the the um, the box. Like I was saying, the the box and the manual and everything looks really good. Manual looks like a coloring book, you know. And as I said, it comes with crayons. And I mean, I did not uh, let my kids get into this stuff and mark up my book, but I thought about it. You know, I was like, you know, maybe, but uh, no. The collector in me said no. The collector always wins that. (laughs) 
collector always wins out. I don't know. My I let him. My Kubo three manual is now very bent up, but <laughs> that's okay. Okay, so anything that maybe didn't work so much for you guys? Because I think we touched on a couple, just minor criticisms. I I, I do have a, so there were a couple of bugs that I noticed, and uh, like I said, all this stuff is minor, but uh, I think that the stuff that's like typical to NES Maker games. I know it's like one thing we talked about when we talked about um, Space Raft, the same kind of thing where you'd be driving and you'd try to pick up a sandwich and it wouldn't register. You know, and I said, I think that's a Nest Maker thing. Oh, yeah. Like when I was playing the cartridge, I noticed a lot of crayons that I would try to pick up. They would, you know, they, maybe they wouldn't register. Now, I was looking at our Discord and I believe that has been fixed. If you play a, a the updated version of the game, I don't think you're going to have that problem. I did get a bug. I got a couple of bugs with the uh, the freaking um, the rulers. So the like they what? So the rulers are really cool. They like crawl along like an inchworm. They you know like scrunch up and stretch out. I found that sometimes if they fell off the edge of a platform, they would come through the the top of the screen and then just keep falling like infinite falling. But they'd fall so fast. Oh, weird. Yeah, there was. I I was uh, when I was playing on cart. I was watching one of these guys slink up to the edge and then he fell off the edge and he started doing the infinite fall thing and i couldn't jump across the pit because it was just it was just like a stream of, of oh uh, he did that like infinite fall thing yeah and i couldn't yeah. get through like it was falling too fast and so i i was like well i don't know what to do so i just stood there and i um yeah i ended up dying and i was man it was like smoked my good run i had a really good run going <laughs> yeah i don't know uh, other than that i, I yeah i didn't not you know very minor bugs the thing that I didn't really care for, if it's if I if I'm looking for a nitpick, is that it seemed like the the colors were a little too similar across the levels. I, I just you couldn't really you can't really look at the play and just think, oh, I know exactly which level you're on, and that that's a really really minor thing. And I also no, but I think that that's the, actually kind of fair because it does mean that when I mean there's, there's there's some visual distinguishing factors, but yeah, if you if you showed me a screenshot of the game, I couldn't tell you which level which world yeah. it's on. And I also kind of wish that the crayons had been multicolored. It just seemed like, you know, you get green ones in the outer, outer, outer world and red ones when you go into the, the page to collect the special ones. But, you know, I don't know. Multicolored crayons would have been nice. But um, other than that, I mean, it's literally I'm nitpicking. I really enjoyed the game. I really did. Yeah. Well, you're probably dealing with uh, NES palette limitations. You may be too. Yeah. One thing I want to say is, you know, we talk about how the gameplay is, is pretty simple. I mean, I I think it could be maybe seen as too simple. You know, like I was saying, there's no power-ups or anything like that. Even the invincibility is so short that it's kind of useful, useless, right? I mean, like, there's a, several cases where I just kind of, like, walk past it because it's like, well, there's no point, you know? So you're saying it's a kid's game with a kid's mode. So it's like <laughs> it starts off easy and there's an easier mode for the younger kids. I totally get that and I totally respect it. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I think uh, I would, I think it would be cool to see uh, a game like this game, like maybe expand it a little bit with like, you know, maybe some like warp zones or something, you know, Ooh, yeah. a bit more, a little bit more depth. Maybe, maybe a, a whistle or some kind of clarinet <laughs> that so, you could play. A, a minus clarinet. world. No, what would it be? It would have to be like related to stationary or something. I don't know. What would you play musically on your stationary? I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe pick up like, well, what do, what would you find? Maybe pick up like a, a, graphing calculator or something <laughs> a graphing calculator <laughs> pick up a graphing calculator and so suddenly you're like neo from the matrix and like the pages start turning oh that's what you need it's this a paper clip that clips the pages together and you skip pages oh that's it oh okay there cool i like that that's your warp yeah, zone is the paper clip. 
All right. I like that. Okay. A, a staple remover that lets you go back and try other <laughs> other levels over. <laughs> did either of you play Doodle World Redrawn at all? I, did I didn't not. even know there was a Doodle World Redrawn uh, until your text yesterday. Or the yeah. Before. No, it's like a Doodle World 1.5. You know, it's like the uh, it's like the Japanese Mario Brothers 2 to the original Super Mario Brothers, right? So, uh, Sensing I'm not going to like this. <laughs> oh, no. It is, it is the... Um, well, it's not. No, it's not that hard. Yeah, it's like the, the main difference is that they changed the mechanic to where the, you have a uh, a double jump, which initially feels extremely empowering, right? Because if I, I, it's funny because in any game, I feel like where you have a double jump, and for a long time you don't have it, and then you get one, it like suddenly feels like you're some kind of superhero, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you're just like vaulting off of nothing. So I guess you kind of are, right? You have this like weird video game logic where you can just jump in midair again. But that's why I love double jumps. It's like such a video game thing. But this actually kicked off a, a really fun discussion on our Discord where we talked about double jumps and how, how great they are and whatever. But yeah, so initially it feels very empowering. And you can you can really sail through these initial levels because it's like, you know, it's the platforms might be look like they're set up for a character who can only do single jumping and, and you're just like flying past it with your double jumps. But then the game starts being designed around the double jump and you've got some like crazy platforming. And again, I, I wasn't able to to get too far into the game because I had some technical issues. But yeah, it's at the point where like you have to. Uh, so if you hold down B, you can run. Right. So very typical NES platformer. But it, it's a you have to run and you have to do the double jumping. And so you're like clearing these gaps that look like canyons and you're just flying across the screen. And that's why I was saying it, it uh, having that with the save states, like made me want to play extremely recklessly. And I was I was just like flying through this, these stages. It was wild. Like, <laughs> that sounds pretty you know, fun. It, it, it was pretty fun. I was dying constantly, but it was yeah, it was like. <laughs> You know, it's just like flipping through the screens, and it was. I'm, uh, I'm watching it right now, uh, just on YouTube while you're talking. And there's, I'm watching a little bit late game play, and there's there's a section where he has to run really fast to clear a big long gap, and then right at the other end of the gap, there's a thumbtack that walks up. And so yeah, oh my god, right. that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. No, <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because it it takes that uh, it takes that double jump and the empowerment you get out of it, and it, it completely uh, undermines it. But yeah, no. yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to uh, diving into that now that the game is going to get patched. But uh, definitely check that out. I think it's worth checking out. That redrawn got a release on physical cartridge through Limited Run Games. I you know I don't know if you can get the ROM, ROM to redrawn. I I didn't. Let me see it real quick. A, it got a physical cartridge switch, switch release? No, physical cartridge NAS release? Limited run games? Yeah, to my knowledge, uh, the ROM for Doodle World Redrawn is not not out there. Maybe that because it got a, a release, a physical release through Limited Run Games, maybe he will release that later. Hopefully that one will be available eventually. You can uh, So on itch, you can, and doodleworldgame.com, you can only get the uh, the original game ROM. But uh, so if you want to play Redrawn right now, you can get it on Switch. Oh, man. So. I'm watching the final boss fight on Redrawn with a double jump. It is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to watch a speed run of this. I think I think a speed run of of Redrawn would be really fun to watch. 
Yeah, I was looking at the original Doodle Doodle World speed running records. It seems like three minute around three and a half minutes is the sweet spot for the speed run right now, which is insane. Hmm. Okay, guys, let's uh let's take a quick break. I'm gonna play some music from Doodle World, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the next game that we've got, Kubo Three. to talk about Kubo 3, Woo. created by Dale Coop, friend of the podcast. Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you what, Dale Coop has been, uh, has contributed to, I think, approximately 7,000 Nestmaker games. The man is a force of nature. He is a, for- Dale Coop, force of nature. You can quote me on that. I think he has had uh, programming contributions to, like, maybe at least like a third of the games that we've talked about on this podcast now. I mean, he, he had a contribution credited for... Doodle World. Yep. Yeah, he did. He was one. Yeah, right. Yeah, because a uh, Nestmaker game, right? Uh, Space Raft. Well, he did all the programming on um, Dungeons and Doom Knights. And in fact, Dungeons and Doom Knights, I think, uh, stylistically, at least the core gameplay, I think, shares a lot with Kubo 3, which mm-hmm. we can get into. And also, just in a really frustrating way, he is just a super nice guy. He is extremely nice. Like, you want somebody who's as prolific as this to almost be, like, a tortured genius. He's just a really nice dude, and I just oh, yeah. love every interaction I have with the guy. Just amazing. He's like a cheerleader, you know? He just gets people excited about homebrew. Amazing. Okay, uh, yeah, made by Dale Coop and his son, Seiji. Seven years old, designed this game with Dale. Seven. Crazy. And this was actually, so this is the third, this is the third Kubo game. This one was released in 2020. Dale is programmer, Seiji as game design with music by Raftronaut, friend of the podcast. Dale and his son started work on their first game when Seiji was five, and he was watching Dale make demos for the Nestmaker scene. Dale was coaching people to do that. And uh, his son got interested in what he was doing. And I was listening to the uh, assembly line. So Kevin Hanley has a really great interview with Dale and Dale kind of goes through this whole story talking about uh, the origins of the game. But yeah, basically it was like COVID, you know, and like they, they needed something to do. So yeah, they started working on games together, but uh, yeah, made Kubo one when he was five years old, five and uh, Kubo two came along after that. That was a Nestmaker bite off competition entry in 2019. And then Kubo three came out 2020. Wow. That's a Providence. That's a, that's a, very storied single digit age <laughs> ability that's extremely out. that's extremely impressive yeah. yeah i'm glad to hear that kubo 2 was a bite off cuz i just watched a tool assisted speed run and it was like 26 seconds 
It's a short game. Yeah, yeah. so Kubo 1 and 2, are they are both, uh, are they were on the ROM that you guys played, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can play them on there. They're both very short. Yeah, Kubo 1 is like a top-down thing, and you're walking around like a, like a dungeon. You got a little gun. Kubo 2 is a platformer, and uh, you're like going underneath the town to find like a gem or something like that. All right, where do you get this game? The ROM is name your own price on itch. So you could get it for free. You should send them some money, though. Negative $10. You pay me to play. <laughs> no? All right. I was looking for like where you can get a physical copy. I thought you'd get one through Broke, but, uh, Broke Studio, but I was wrong. According to Video Game Sage, I think you can just uh, you can message Dale and ask him if you can buy a physical copy of it right now. Nice. Find him on, on Twitter or uh, Discord or wherever. And you can also find it on Evercade Indie Heroes Volume 1, as I said before, with uh, lots of other fun games like Doodle World and others. I actually got a physical copy of this game through Limited Run Games. They released this, and I got it earlier this year, just a few months ago, in fact. Very nice. I always have to talk about the quality of the physical stuff. Anything I've gotten from Limited Run, really nice physical quality. So I've occasionally gotten a couple of these that have some uh, weird technical issues, but I have to say the the... The boxes, manuals, cartridges all look great. All of their cartridges have this like real weight. Like it's a, they're heavy. You know, this one's heavy. I don't know why this cartridge is so heavy. These games Which one are is so it? Short. Kubo 3. That one, the one you just picked up was Kubo 3? Yeah, it's dense, yeah. man. It's like, it's dense. Huh. I don't know. I got to open this thing up and take a look at the board. Nice manual too. No, it's a, the manual's got a nice little map in it. You know, it's it's funny. I was reading somewhere, might have been on the Discord, uh, where someone, and it might have been Dale, say uh, the map was not supposed to be used until you were stuck. Oh, really? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Because, like, if I see a map, okay, granted, Legend of Zelda, I always go back and compare to Legend of Zelda, but there was a map folded up and, like, it was, like, sealed that said, you know, don't use this unless, you know, it's a last resort, right? Right. But if you put a map in the instruction manual, I'm going to use it. Like, and I, I, you know, looked at the map and saw those four stars, and I just happened to pick one to go to first. And that's I found the gun immediately, like within five, ten seconds of, of starting the game. And so <laughs> when you were like, uh, "Did anybody find the gun?" I was like, "How, how did you not find the gun?" Well, I didn't. I no, see, that's I yeah. didn't read the manual, so I didn't know it was in there. No, it's it's not. I don't see anything in the manual that indicates you're not supposed to read the map. No, I thought I think it might have been on Discord, but we were just kind of talking about it. Well, yeah, it's because the, the gun is not on the map. Gun's no, not on the map. No, it's, it's just a star. It just marks like, hey, there's something interesting here. Yes. You should check it out. Yeah. yeah. But uh, now the only time I've, I, let's see, I guess I've seen a couple games that have like a sealed something in there. I know, yeah, the original Legend of Zelda had a map and it was sealed with a little sticker, right? Yep. I, okay, sorry. Just to go back to what I was just saying, Dale, Dale on, our, on our Discord uh, a couple days ago said, when you get the gun, the game becomes really, really easy, perhaps too easy, question mark. So the map is to be used only in case of necessity, which uh, don't put it in the manual right there front and center. Then I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the game is too easy when you can find the gun, but the game is definitely really hard if you don't find the gun. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, and I, I still, we need to get to like talking about what kind of game this is exactly. But so, what, what kind of game are we talking about here? I think it's a, it's a mix of of top down adventure style game like the original Legend of Zelda mixed with some side scrolling platforming like the Legend of Zelda two. This is so weird. Why does every game I talk about have to compare to the Legend of Zelda? I need to. I need to play a different you game. Compare every game to Legend of Zelda. It's, a, right. it's a seminal game. 
Well, like at the same time, it's got stuff Legend of Zelda's don't have. It's got yeah, underwater, oh, yeah. you know. It's got like yeah. kind of a, you know. Yeah, no, the water. The water's like Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. See, and that reminded me of the water level on Jungle Hunt. Actually, if you okay, guys are yeah, with that right. Game. Yes, okay. Yeah, which is one of my favorite games of all time. By the way, Jungle Hunt. That's like, <laughs> yeah, nice. love that game. It, it just has a lot of other things going for it as well. It's got like oh, yeah. oh, hidden yeah. games inside of it. It's got multiple ways to complete the game because you don't have to do it by violence. You can do effectively the like, you know, pacifist run of not having a gun. Is it is it pacifist <laughs> to jump on somebody's head instead of shoot them? It's it, it's just it's just like kind of you know encouraging them to not be naughty, right? It's it's okay. like <laughs> you just beat some to de- someone to death with your feet. I just shooting them. I just at this point feel like you know we take a drink when we say Matt Houston. Up, oh, take a drink. There it is. Oh, there it is, Matt Houston. Excellent. You can also take a drink when I compare something to Legend of Zelda. It's, <laughs> if you well, do I really that, do think can... I really do think we should we should do a drinking game for the podcast. Or like a bingo card or something, and yeah, yeah. oh yeah, that, that's a holiday special right there. Well, yeah. let me tell you, I have I have listened to so many of these episodes, and I've listened to you guys talk for so many hours. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I could I could fill one of those out pretty easy. So, <laughs> well, I, you know, I just started re-listening to the podcast because I've I've been uh, biking uh, this oh, fall, yeah. All right? Yeah, and I'll do I'll do you know a five or six mile ride and listen to half an episode a, a day. So, like, I just got through Lizard. Yesterday and this morning, I was gonna, uh, or I started the next one, which was oh, I'm about halfway through Deadius. Deadius. So it's very interesting listening to the podcast again. Uh, it makes me want to go back and play these games. So maybe we'll have a revisit to some of the old games. Yeah, who knows? And I'll compare them to Legend of Zelda. I love uh, re-listening to the podcast because I uh, it gets me amped to get an air record. Yeah. I just love listening to the sound of my own voice. So yeah. that's just me. I have entire episodes where I just cut you guys out and I just listen to myself. <laughs> He calls them the head cannon episodes. Head Those cannon are the... episodes yeah. <laughs> oh, it's exactly like just driving in my car and talking to myself, <laughs> but like stereo. <laughs> oh yeah, back to uh, okay. Kubo three. Right. Oh, yeah, Kubo three. Again, right, sure. Kubo three. Yeah. So now this, uh, yeah, as, you know, I was talking about the um, the top down mixed with the the side view platforming. So it it has a like a, a hub kind of world where you are. Uh, walking around top-down adventure, Zelda style, and uh, looking for secrets, looking for dungeons and things like that. And then when you go into the dungeons, the game shifts perspective, and now it is a 2D side-scrolling platformer, and you can jump and things like that. This mechanic will be recognizable to anybody who has played Dungeons and Doom Knights, which uh, has, uh, I think, in terms of just like core gameplay, I think shares a lot with this game. But no, this is, uh, I, I think this is, uh, guys, this is an opportunity to uh to coin a new genre, right? I think look, we're looking at a new subgenre. So I'm talking about NES games that uh shift perspective between that overworld, okay, top down kind of view, and then a uh, a side scrolling platformer without changing the character sprites. The sprites stay the same. Okay. We've seen this now, two games, uh Kubo three, Dungeons and Doom Knights. I think this is a subgenre. Are we going to do it? Are we going to coin a subgenre it has again? To happen. That's what we it do. It has to happen. That's how we this roll. This is what we do on this podcast. Does it have to rhyme like walkie-talkies? Does it have to, I think it, that's, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think can it rhyme. Because we've, we've had walkie-talkies and we've had, what, what's the other ones we have? Well, walkie-pokey. 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 And Guna, right? This needs to be like something else with walkie. I don't know. I I want to call it, I want to call it a, 
How about a, a Dale Koopavania? Can we call it that? Okay. Okay. It's not a walkie koopy. Koopavania? Yeah. Koopavania. This is what it's going to be. It's going to be Koopavania. All right. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, the game is divided into different, uh, these different dungeons. I, I say dungeons, but they're like regions, you know, they're areas. Uh, they each have like distinct characters and, and color palettes and atmosphere, different music. Each, every area has a boss fight. So you got four of those boss fights and they lead up to the final section and the final boss fight. You start off with only two lives and two hit points and you could lose them very fast, surprisingly fast. But both of those increase every time you would defeat a boss. There's a few bonus items to pick up. Like we were talking about the gun. If you can find it, it is very hard to find. I found it very difficult to find. I found it very easy to find. I was lucky though. Well, you read the map. That's why. True. And then there's a there's some potions you can get that like fill up all your your health and stuff like that. There's secrets, secrets in the game. I like that. Secret areas. And the graphics, I would say, I was trying to think of how to describe these. They're very simple. Maybe like a like a child's drawing. You know, they they kind of they look like that, but they not not in the same way as like Doodle World. It's it's more like if I asked my kid to design like character sprites for an 8-bit game. This is what they would kind of look like. They're like big and chunky and you know, they don't have any shading or anything like that. Well, it's... they also have like a lot of different, really iconic styles, like the bosses, for example. They all look yeah. really distinct, but in a kid kind of designed way. Right. And I think that even kind of flows through into the gameplay a little bit and that each boss has a different mechanic to kill it or whatever. But it feels like, yeah, each one is, uh, yeah, like a kid was like, I'm going to make an underwater boss. And it, sure. It does look like an underwater boss. Yeah. I, I thought it was like a 2600 game almost. Like 2600 sprites yeah. in an NES level, yeah. if that makes sense. No, totally. And it, it worked really, really well for That's me. That's perfect. No, I hadn't thought about that uh, until you said it. But yeah, it definitely has that uh, 2600 look. Yeah, it's just very those very large kind of blocky sprites and things like that. I love, I love them. I just say, I love the main character. I love that he's, he's like a turtle and he's got a little cowboy hat just because he's got his little like gun holster there, even though you don't have a gun. So some of us didn't have a gun. Some of us didn't have a gun. Some had a gun. Well, he's just got his, his, I guess he's got like some pretty killer cowboy boots if he's like stomping on all this stuff, right? It's true. Yeah. And, uh, much like Doodle World, this game is also harder than it looks a little bit, a little bit tougher than it looks. It's not a hard game. It's, it's pretty short, but it is. You can burn through those those two hit points real fast. Yeah, I think when I first played the True. sky level and I was falling down yeah, the, sky, the clouds a yeah. couple of times, and I was like, oh, okay, got to get the game face on here. Yeah. I played this game after I played Doodle World, and I was still in the uh, hesitancy mode. <laughs> you know, I right, wanted to right. rocket through those, so I I never died on any of those levels. Uh, I, You know, like you said, it, it was easy. Um, I think it took me 38 minutes to beat it from start to finish on my first playthrough. You also had the gun. You found the gun. I did. I found the gun right right off the bat. You're over here playing Contra, okay? Like, yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. It has a, uh, so the game does have a hard mode as well. So uh, the game is short, but if you conquer it and uh, you feel like you're up to it, you can play hard mode. It's got, uh, the bosses are a little bit tougher. There's some other stuff like, uh, I noticed some, like in one of the boss rooms I, I walked into, there were like pits in the floor that weren't there before, so. But I did find out, so Dale dropped this hint on the Discord that uh, if you're playing with kids or you want a little bit easier experience, there is kind of an easy mode. You can you can enter in a certain code at the title screen. Oh, the one from the old Konami games? Let's call it a Konami code. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, that will give you nine lives right out of the gate. 
Code of Konami's. <laughs> How'd you guys play this game? You both played on emulator, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I played my uh, limited run cartridge on my uh, analog NT Mini Noir. I'm going to start playing my my NES as like a backup just to check the game because like I I found some like strange bugs in here that I don't think were part of the game. I think they were. Oh. I think so they were... I definitely had some buggy experiences where. Oh, did you? I don't know. We like we uh, walked through a wall and stuff, and then it's like. It was a little hard to reproduce. I won't say it was like guaranteed buggy, but like when playing, sometimes you would flip into that kind of everything black world and then you keep going to a certain direction and then you get a crystal oh, out of nowhere. Wow. Yeah, I, that did happen to me once or twice as well. Uh, I had a thing where like if I died and I got a game over screen, the game would not restart. Like it would, oh. it would sit on the game oh. over screen and like make this like weird noise. Uh, and I had to like restart the console, and I'm almost sure that was an analog thing. I got I I really needed to test run this on a normal console. Interesting. Anyway, okay, yeah. So, uh, what works about this game to you guys? And I think we've been talking about a lot of this already. It's a, even though it's like a short game, I I find it kind of compelling. I mean, for me, it it's it, all the things we've been talking about come together in the underground stage. Great music, really identifiable enemies really just fun environment to bounce around and you know the, the gameplay is fun and then the boss fight is really inventive it's like this disc that like you can't shoot while he's like side on the screen oh, right. he has yeah, to be like right. face on the screen yeah and then even when you beat that boss it's really quick but this is a really nice animation of how the boss like explodes into like a thousand pieces and i just feel it's like yeah. a really really well put together example of how you can bring together all these ideas and then get a crystal and then kick ass. It's just like a lot of fun, like a really, really, really great game. I enjoyed that. It was, it was right in the sweet spot for a, like one sitting playthrough. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too long. Okay. It wasn't too right. short. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this, the simple graphics that, that really, really worked for me. And the design of all the different levels really worked for me as well. I know I had said like going into the cemetery level, the design on those ghosts, it was just, oh, it was so good. You love I, those ghosts, dude. I loved it. It, it just, I don't know, because they were bigger than I thought they should have been. And also, anytime that anything comes up out of the ground, as far as like a zombie, uh, that's just, I, you know, thinking back to like <laughs> the old the old thriller video when all the zombies like crawled their way up out of the ground. I just, I love that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of a lot of cool stuff to to like about it, but mostly the design of the game I I really enjoyed. I really appreciated how all the different areas felt very distinct. Yeah. Connor, you were saying about how like, you know, you let's let's go underwater. Now we're gonna have an underwater stage and things like that. And yeah. All of the stages have the different areas have a, a distinct feel. Like even some of the gameplay matches up with that, like the swimming and everything else. But uh the music really stood out to me. Oh, I love the music. I love the music. The music was amazing in that yeah. it was really like one of those kind of tunes you keep humming afterwards. Yeah, for me, it was the underground stage that had just like the music that kept sticking in my head. You know, when you're in an adventure game, I love it when the music drives you forward, right? I love it when it's like kind of encouraging right, yeah. you to keep going and move forward. And it just really got the same vibe of that for me when playing the game. Yeah, I had four things that I talked about in my notes about this game, and uh, three of them were good, and one of them were negative. And the one of them that was good was I, I loved the music. That was um, that was a standout for me. Yeah, I, I thought the music was really great at setting the atmosphere and uh, and making the uh, the different areas very distinct. 
It, it really did a good job of that. I mean, I found uh, when I was doing the overworld, I found myself like humming the tune like while I was playing the game. And I don't know how long I'd been doing that, but like it was just, I don't know, something just kind of catchy about it. But when I was taking notes for this game, I, I like I took a whole page of notes for Doodle World. And then for this game, I was like, what? What should I write down? I played through it like a couple times. And I'm like, I couldn't really figure out like what I should write down. Honestly, like my impression of this game is it's it's a little bit odd. You know, it's a little bit strange game. And I was thinking like maybe what is odd about it is that I'm playing an NES game created by somebody who has like no frame of reference that I do for playing NES games. Like, you know, for me, it's mm-hmm. like like we're sitting here comparing everything to like Legend of Zelda. Like, did Seiji, was he thinking of that? I Probably not, right? That's a really good point. I, I don't know what his uh, what his inspirations were. but No, I, I really like that idea because it just shows how the NES hardware, there's something really special about it where when you give it to somebody as a blank canvas, they can make something that really is totally original. And I think that's what this game is. Even with it, you know, all the references we're making to all the things, it does feel like a really original, fresh game that is totally worth playing, even if you think you've played 100 any any other NES games. To compare it to what I do, you know, as in making movies and stuff like that, I read all of these stories about certain people that like to work with first-time filmmakers because they don't know what they can't do. Yes, mm. right. That's, I think, why this game is shines the way it does. You know, something made by someone this young, you don't know what you can't do, you know, or, or what it should be, maybe. Right. I will toast to that, to to the game developers who don't know what they can't do. <laughs> I'm really glad you said that, because that's immediately what I thought of. This was one of the things, is that I would watch a lot of foreign films when I was back in film school, and I, you'd see stuff made by, like, Brazilian farmers in the 1960s, or Iranian filmmakers in, like, the early 90s or something. It's like, you're you're looking at people who, like, some of these film directors had never watched a freaking movie before. You just give them these tools and you're like, tell a story with this. And they just have to figure it out as they go along. So it's like all of these touchstones and conventions and tropes that we all know because we've been watching movies and and TV shows and stuff. Or you talk about games, like all the games that we played since we were children. If you don't have that frame of reference, like you can come up with something really unique. And that's kind of the sense that I got when I was playing this game, mm-hmm. which is ironic because when you look at the the limited run card I have, is uh, it looks exactly like one of the old black box games, mm-hmm. but uh, it's very unlike any other NES game I I can think of. Honestly, it's very unique, totally, but uh, and ambitious, you know, for such a short game. I think it's uh, pretty ambitious. All right, uh, anything that does not work, I want to reiterate. Our disclaimer about how we know these are not professional game developers. And in fact, we are critiquing a game, an NES game made by a seven-year-old, which is in and of itself pretty awesome. Anybody have anything kind of negative to say? The one negative thing that I have to say about it is in the overworld section, you've got a sprite that is two units tall that can walk through something that is one unit apart. <laughs> that's, you know, it's the same thing in Dungeons and Doom Knights. Same thing happened in Anguna. That's that's just a nitpick that I have because I don't know. It's like, does the head fit through there? Do the feet fit through Game there? Game developers beware. If you do not respect the law of two to one, clever user needed is going to get <laughs> up in your grill. Right, but if, the, if my entire body can be a hitbox, then I shouldn't be able to walk through something with my head. 
You've got the hitbox yeah. rule. I see that. Okay. You know what? That's actually fair. It's the hitbox logic. Because if you could, logic. if you, if for some reason you didn't get hurt by getting shot in the head, you'd actually be like, this is fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. If the, uh, the only way you could die is to get shot in the gut or in the knees in this <laughs> game. <laughs> Knee shot. <And>, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a minor nitpick, but I just, I don't like that because, you know, with something like, oh, wait, wait, let me, let me make a comparison to this game, uh, The Legend of Zelda. Your your character is one unit tall, and he can walk through the one unit spaces. You know, one unit between rocks or whatever. But if he was twice as tall and could still walk through that, and like your head just covers up the rocks in the top row, that just it's something about it bugs me. And that's my only real nitpick about the game. Rant over. Uh, for me, I don't know. There's there's not a lot of. I suppose the only criticism is the difficulty does swing wildly between whether you've got the gun or not it's not so much that's pretty that, fair that's pretty fair it's not so much that like the gun makes the game easy it's that I, I think the game is really tough without the gun so i don't think it's really tough but it's a challenge uh, i screw up dude you know me i'm never i'm never very good at these things well yeah no well it's it's you know you get that gun and i mean it becomes a different game yeah and you don't have ammo or anything like that you, you don't lose the gun once you got it you're now you're in a new game my only criticism is that the game is quite short. You know, we were saying that it's a nice little simple experience. If if you're into a, a short game, like, it, that's great. You know, and I mean, I can't complain too much. The ROM is free. Right. I, I think if you, you know, I did, I did, I got a little bit into it, and then I was like, okay, I'm I'm ready. I really feel like I'm invested in the, the Kubo 3 universe. And then the game was over. Well, I guess that just means you can't wait for Kubo 4. Oh, Kubo 4. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I mean, like kind of the only real negative thing that I had to say about it. I don't know how negative that was. It's a pretty simple experience. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And I thought, I thought it was very unique and interesting. You know, that's, that's just it. Is it really a unique experience? Okay. I tell you what, let's take a little break and listen to some of this Kubo 3 music. And then we're going to come back with our final words on both of these games, Doodle World and Kubo 3. Hi, everybody. This is an edit I'm cutting in after the fact. I just want to explain what you're about to listen to here. So this is a recording of Seiji singing his idea for the opening title track to Kubo 3, the opening music, which Raftronaut then used as a guide to create the actual title music for the game. These clips were provided to me by Raftronaut and approved by Dale for use in the podcast. And I just think it's really cool. Check it out. We are back, back with our final thoughts on these two games. And you know what, guys? I, I kind of take back everything I said. I, I'm kind of looking at this again, and I'm thinking, you know what? These both these games were just, uh, you know, kids mode, and this is like made by a kid and stuff like this. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think that maybe 
Yeah. I think maybe I'm a little too old for these games. Am I no, wrong? I'm thinking the same thing. I think that that yeah, I think I hear where you're coming with this. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think maybe I just don't have the right perspective to appreciate these games. Maybe I wasn't the right audience for the game. We need to get inside the mind of a child. We really need what we need. We need an expert on the childhood gaming experience. Yes. So I tell you what, let's break out here and uh, can you guys uh, go find some experts? Let's go find some experts. Okay. Let's and then go. We'll come back here. All right. I'll come All back. Right. I'll, I'll, I'm going to find some. I'm going to bring some over because I think I know exactly what we need for this. All right. Yeah. I, I think I got an expert in mind. Hold on. All right, guys, I am back. I, I have my experts in the uh, childhood gaming experience. Uh, Connor, did did you find any experts as well? Uh, I found a couple over here just uh, hanging around, couple just of you know, dawdling outside the door. Uh, expert uh, on my end, could you please uh, introduce yourself? What is What What would you like to be called? Uh, Megacraft G. Megacraft G. Are you? Would you, per chance, be a fan of Minecraft? Yes, I like Minecraft. <laughs> Quite a lot. Uh, Connor, what are your? Who are your experts over there? We've got a. We got a couple here. Uh, I'll let the first one speak first. I'm Golden Gamer. Golden Gamer. We got a Golden Gamer, and uh, on my other side we have. We've got Grit Shot. Grit Shot. Grit Shot. Yeah. He sounds like he's just come out of an '80s action movie. Right there. Yeah, I like how he says that. He's got kind of like a gravelly mm-hmm. voice when he says yeah. that. Yeah. All right. So, guys, we're here to talk about some uh, some games, some NES games, Doodle World and Kubo Three. Let's. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Kubo Free. Yeah. Really? Yeah, okay. Kubo, Kubo. For sure. Kubo Free. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was probably the best. Oh, you yes. like that one? Yes. Yeah? What do you guys got there? Is that the? Oh, you printed out the manual. Oh, the instruction manual. Yeah. Whoa, cool. So, yeah. This is like your story, and then story control screen, items, dangerous enemies, bosses, map, special tanks. Have you ever seen a manual for a game before? <laughs> probably not. No. What did you do? So, do you guys like the manual for this game? You read it too, didn't you? Yes, yes, yes. I like the story in it, and I also think the enemies in the game are pretty cool. Did you th- did you find the map useful? Yes, kind of useful, but kind only kind of. What what was uh what was your favorite part about like playing the game? Did you guys uh, did you like the uh... the way the game works can change a lot when you start in the cross. Right. You're going up, down. You can't jump, but when you go into the levels. That you have to play to get the diamonds and like the jewels. The up button for moving up turns into the jump button. Right. Yeah. So the perspective can change a lot. No, yeah, it goes from kind of where you're looking down from above to like where you're looking from the side, right? So like also, top down. Yeah. yeah. A lot of things were like hidden, like the trees. Like the only thing that could have given it away was the white touch on it. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah, good. You know what? I didn't even notice that. That's a great. You picked that up. What is it? The trees where you went into to find the gun. Yes. They were white, I noticed. Oh, so they were a slightly different color. So that's how you got through there. Oh, cool. After you get the gun, and then you're like, shoot around a bit, you know, go through a few levels, and then you head back to where it is. I, went, I did that once, and there was a potion in its place, which... Was very helpful because it says here. I don't know where it is. Uh, here we go. The potion, the item gives Ku back his full health and adds extra life, which you can tell would be very helpful. So, yeah. I guess you can just try and visit that not so secret place every now and then. So, yeah, that's a yeah. good strategy. Yeah, yeah. 
Mega Crafty, what did you do? You, uh, what did you like about the game? I would think that the game would be even cooler if it was a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> he is a teenager turtle, but I wonder if he's a ninja one. Well, yeah, or a mutant, right? Yes, yeah. yes. True. I have a question for everybody. What? Did first of all, raise your hand if you beat the game. Everybody beat the game. Awesome. What was your favorite boss? My favorite boss was probably the one in the sky level because he like jumped up and then he went straight down on you. It's so, like, yeah. you gotta go. Like, Mary, where you gotta go? On the cat Goombas in Mario 3D World where they jump up, go down, you oh, yeah. jump on top of them. That was the one that had like the really long jumping. legs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I found that one difficult. My favorite is like, is Fayar the underground boss? Because not just not really because of what he did, all he really did was just move around. But he had a pretty good look. He looks actually a lot like a Pokeball from like Pokemon. So <laughs> yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, I I did want to say so. There was one other game that we recently played that uh, Megacraft G told me that uh, Kubo reminded him a, a lot of. What was that game? Oh yeah, and Guna actually pretty much also reminded me of legend of zelda too legend of zelda right the which legend of zelda like one and two. Oh one and yeah two the ones from the nes i have only okay. played one you only and played i've one. and breath of the wild yes megacraft g plays a lot of nintendo switch online for the nes yeah. stuff yeah. so he's yeah. he's sampled a lot more games than i expected <laughs> nice well i i did actually have one other thing to add which i don't think the reviewers on this side understood fully Divertov, can you tell me who made this game and, and how old were they? It, it turns out that this game was made by a kid. Yeah. Uh, who is he, when he started making Kubo One, he was only five, believe it or not. Yeah. And he started making this with his dad. They made Kubo One, and then they made Kubo Two, and then they made Kubo Three, and I think he was only seven when they made Kubo Three. So he Whoa. made this game. Wow. He designed it kind of like for his uh, for his friends to play. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah, that's pretty cool because, like, it's like a little kid like me can like actually design something. You guys think you're gonna uh, have your to make a game with your dad now? Maybe. Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> but on to Doodle World. Yeah. Okay. Yes. On to Doodle World. All right. What'd you guys think of uh, Doodle World? I thought that it was a very interesting game because it's like an old school game. Once you go forward, you can't go back. Right. But also, they had a very wide variety of mobs or like enemies. They have some that you cannot destroy from the top, some that you can't even destroy. But also, like jump on them. One, yeah. One of the most, though, I think I do have some improvements maybe because, like, some of the bosses, like the end boss, was actually easier than the, like the third boss or something. Like, oh, you thought the so? The end boss I, was actually really easy. I think if you figure out his pattern, he is kind of easy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, it was pretty easy. Just jump over his fireballs, jump on him as well. But the best thing is, when he does his fireballs, they only go at very short range. So you can just stay in the back, and then when he charges, just boing. And he's like dead. But my favorite bit probably was... Probably the parkour, because, like, I was always like, save, jump, parkour, save, jump, save, jump. And you could fall, so. Yeah. Don't take Oh, so you, oh, because you you were playing it on the Switch, right? So you were, like, saving anytime you made, like, a big jump or something, right? Basically, once I accidentally, instead of loading, I accidentally saved when it said game over. So I had to start all over again. (laughs) No. Hey, 
I, I have done that many times with save states. So, Megacraft G, what did you think about uh, Doodle World? What would you like? I about like the Doodle game? World redrawn just a little bit better because, like, you can actually like double jump in it. Oh yes, okay. Well, but you but you did play the original Doodle World, right? Yes, I've made it to King Racer's Castle. Okay. And the King Racer fight is actually kind of tough. You thought so? Yes. Well, if you yeah, if you haven't figured out his pattern, it is kind of tough. Megacraft G here did not know that you could save. So, uh, yeah. he, yeah, he was just playing the game straight through. Now, did you, did you guys play kids mode? I also like the music in it. We were playing on normal mode. All right, on normal mode. Not kids right. mode. The difference is, mode. is that you get three lives, not five when you start. And there's three levels, not two into a boss. Okay. Megacraft, you had a, one comment about the kids mode that I thought was kind of interesting. What did you say about the enemies in kids mode? I think just to make it make the make kids mode just a tiny bit harder. You thought it was a little too easy. I think I think it was a little bit too easy because I could get to it. Like if I could just change one thing about it, then I would just change like one enemy in it. Like I would like make sure there was like just like the tiny pencil things, those tiny yeah. pencil guys. So when in kids mode, I think there's the there's only the eraser enemies yes are, yeah. yes that's right dad there's only the erasers okay okay and didn't you say you wanted a little more variety yes yeah there. in the normal mode they got all sorts from like thumbtacks the scissors to um black felt tips yeah right what do you guys think about the graphics do they do you like the way they I look think the graphics look pretty cool i think the guy looks pretty fun the guy looks fun yeah he was the only guy who didn't seem to be related to any type of stationary so, that's right. interesting. Yeah, that's I know true. what his name is. What is his name? His name's Doodle. Doodle, that's right. Yes, Doodle. Also, I like the intro because when you go into the game, it's a human's view and it's like the human walking up to the notebook and then the notebook Yeah, opens. yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I've yeah. seen that. It's yeah. like a really cool intro, but I think it could have more story to it. Because all it says is that you wonkered the racers, like you stop all the racers at the end. I feel like okay. it could have more like a storyline. Because, like, it doesn't really say why you're doing this. What's your quest to do and defeat all these erasers or the innocent people? It shows you that on the game cartridge thing. On the game? Well, it's a, yeah. It's on, the, the, on the box of the game cartridge. In the manual. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, in the manual. Right. This one has a manual, too. So, did you guys know, I can tell you this one. So, we, we talked about how Kubo 3 was made by a kid. Did you guys know this game was made by a four-year-old girl? She designed the characters. Yeah. With her dad. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it looks like it's like a doodle sketch. So It yeah. does look like a doodle sketch, doesn't it? Yes, right. she drew the characters. The she girl drew, drew the, the characters. characters Isn't that cool? I think I know. I think I can draw it. Also, oh, I can so? actually, I'm actually going to draw a, a draw doodle right after, right after, after this episode. Right oh, after. all right. I gotta say that doodle world is a little, is like, is basically Mario. Super Mario Brothers, except with, like, a bunch of different enemies and without the power-ups. One thing I must say is that I didn't really mind about the Invincible Crayons, because I felt like there was a waste. They were, like, a waste of time. Okay. So I, I could get past the enemies fine without them. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the I mean, also like if you get the invisible crayon, you're wasting all that time. Like you have to go, like, get down to get the invisible crayon, and then you have to like get out from where the invisible crayon is hiding, and then you can buy that. Then you're like flashing, like oh no, I can't use it anymore. So basically, it's kind of pointless, but it's a good way to get some extra points if you need them. 
Yeah, good. I guess. Uh, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to say about either one of these games? Did what? Did we enjoy playing the games, guys? Totally, we really enjoyed it. Though yeah. I think I would kind of prefer playing Minecraft from right. Oh yeah, I want <laughs> I just got a new PS5, and I want to play it you some more. It. Do you guys want to play any more NES games? Yes, I think I would really like to play some more games because I really enjoyed that. Wait, wait, wait. Good. All right. Thank you to our uh, special guests, our uh, childhood gaming experts, uh, Megacraft G, Golden Gamer, and Gridshot. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. See ya. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'll see you later. Okay. Well, that was fun. Did you yeah. guys like that? Was that fun? Didn't yeah. we all enjoy that? I wish I could have got my kids to play a Nintendo game. <laughs> <laughs> They're too old, old and jaded for that stuff now. Tell you what, my kid. No, he's playing it. You know what he plays? He plays Ice Climber. I, I don't I don't understand it. Yeah, he loves Ice Climber. Yeah, he's mad for Ice Climber. Strange game. I've only played it for Smash Brothers. I don't get it. All right. So where are you going to get these games? Uh, get them both on itch. Or you can go to doodleworldgame.com and you can get the ROM directly from Nate Peters. Uh, he may have new cartridges in stock at some point. Or like I said, if you really want a cartridge of Kubo 3, you can message Dale Coop about that. Okay, that was fun. That was fun. I, I like this. I've been wanting to do this uh, this like kids episode for a long time. So I'm glad we, we got to do it. Check. All right. We got uh, some news. Got some news here. I just wrote down a whole bunch of stuff. And basically, you know what? My news right now, I have not yet figured out how to tap into that that newsy zeitgeist like I was getting with Twitter. And now that I'm I'm barely on Twitter anymore, like, I feel so stupid. Like, I'm so ignorant about anything happening. Uh, I, I put a little comment on Twitter a few months ago when I think right after we had chatted about things, Nick, on this podcast. Yeah. And I was just saying how it's going to be so hard to have to explain to my kids how there used to be this place you could go to where you literally had this confluence of everything that was happening. Yeah. And it's just gone. It's because yeah. even if you like tried to rewind time and, and made it all back the way it was, it's just gone. You just you don't have that anymore, and you now have to work. You do not to find no. this information. It is work, and, and I don't have time to do that. It's so much easier with Twitter. But it is it is <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm really glad that we do this section on the podcast because it's actually harder now to know what's going on. I think that it is. Yeah, it, it's like a. It, I don't want to make it sound like it's you know righteous in a way that makes no sense, but like it, it it's hard to find this information now. Uh, where it used to be a lot easier. So I think that's something that's... It's important. harder. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And say, like, I can look in discords and stuff like that. I'm in 50 freaking discord servers. Like, I, I don't have time to do that. But the discord that I will recommend is ours, of course. So the, uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much everything that I got in this news section, I just went back through, like, the last two months and uh, looked at our homebrew news channel on our discord. But uh, no, I do, I you know, I see stuff that, like, comes across my eyeballs on on. Uh, blue sky or threads or whatever mastodon but it's just yeah it's just nothing like what it used to be but you know i used to have at my old job when i was uh, doing the media company i i loved rss feeds rss readers yeah i would go into work and i would have uh, i had a reader set up i had like 100 R 150 like rss feeds it's crazy and it would just fill up my screen with just like headlines i loved it but, yeah and of stuff that you wanted to see too mm -hmm. I, I love yeah. that too yeah, so I have some news. Uh, first news item, this is pretty sad. So, Rainy Baker, NES developer, passed away in early October. 
So this was the developer of Graveyard Dude for NES. Connor, didn't you played that, right? Yeah, which we talked about on the podcast. We did. Uh, when we we did the uh, 67 demos in one episode, uh, we talked about that one, and I remember that stood out as one that you really enjoyed. Yeah. You played the full version, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm actually, right now, I'm looking through the kind of celebration of her work itch page. And yeah, it, I'm realizing not only, you know, how much I enjoy Graveyard Dude, but like she's got this Fist of the North Star overhaul <laughs> yeah. patch for the NES. And like, it's a shame I'm only really paying attention to uh, how much this person made, you know, how much output that she had because um, obviously extremely talented and really sad to hear that that's um, something that's happened to her. Yeah. Dale Coop posted this link in our uh, in our news uh, channel. Yeah, it's a link to an itch page that's got all of her work on it, and I will put that in the show notes. But yeah, uh, Randy Baker, rest in peace. New games coming out. I have a ton of these. I'm telling you what, there are so many games coming out. I cannot keep track of this, and I apologize in advance. This is going to be mostly Game Boy and NES games because that is what is coming across my feed right now. So I would really love to hear about other platforms, but uh, I need to get more of those going on in my... uh, my zeitgeisty, whatever I'm trying to set up here. So, but yeah, a couple of Kickstarters right now. Mega Cat has a Kickstarter for uh, the meeting for NES. That is an interesting looking uh, platformer. Kickstarter for Inspector Waffles Early Days for Game Boy. And that is a sequel to a PC game about Inspector Waffles. Inspector Waffles is a cat. So, he is a cat who is also a detective. A de- de- detective cat, right? Detective Cat. <laughs> Detective Cat. That game is published by Broke Studio, so you know it's going to be good. You know, I think I on the last podcast, I believe, I forgot to mention, there was a, a Kickstarter that ended, I think, in September for Ailing the Ghost, I think is how you say it. That is a Game Boy Color RPG. Hmm. That is going to be published by Incubate Games. So again, uh, you know it's going to be good. Great publisher. Incubate also announced Dracula Dark Rain, based on uh, the works of Bram Stoker and a collection of three Ben Jelter horror games on one cart. Ben Jelter, friend of the podcast, amazing developer. Do not miss that. I am sure that's going to be great. There's a uh, game, Dangan GB2 for Game Boy Color. So Dangan was this, uh, Dangan GB was a, a Game Boy game. It's like a bullet hell boss rush, shoot em up. And uh, just a crazy amount of bullets on the screen for the Game Boy. The Game Boy Color game looks a little bit easier. The sprites on the... Um, on the bullets are a little bit bigger, and uh, I, I really like the colors and everything else. And you know me as the shoot 'em up fan, I had to jump all over this one. So there's a physical release coming out from communityreleases.de. That is a German website that they release like Black Castle and, and something else. But uh, yeah, it's like community sourced physical games. And I just I this they're doing one for this game, and it looks amazing. I am uh, hopefully going to get a copy, but uh, we'll see. For Atari news, I got Champ Games. So Champ does a lot of these uh, these ports of arcade games to the 2600. And uh, they are making all their games available on their own online store. And I got to tell you, check it out because the box art for those looks really cool. Just really well-made games. Lots of new Atari homebrew announced for Portland Retro Gaming Expo back in October. And hopefully that is all going to be on sale soon at Atari Age, if not already. A uh, good place to find news on that is Zero Page Homebrew. You go look that up. They have they are all over Atari Homebrew. They're really good at that. Lots of new NES stuff coming out. Oh, my God. New NES stuff. 
Trial of Carzoid. So that is by uh, uh, someone who posted our Discord. The demo is out for that. It is a Arkanoidvania. So unfortunately, we didn't get to coin that genre. Uh, I think they're already calling that. I still prefer the Koopvanias. Koopavania. Koopavania. Yeah, but this is a yeah. It's like an Arkanoid game that is also it has like uh, adventure elements to it. So like a like a breakout, you know, block breaking game uh, with adventure elements. Jane Austen's 8-Bit Adventure. We talked about the demo for that back on our 67 Demos uh, podcast episode. The full game has been released. Jane Austen's 8-Bit Adventure. Go play it. Oratorio. The Rhythm Shooter by John Vanderhoof with music by Raftronaut. I played the demo of that. It looks fantastic. And I totally want to jump all over the full version of that. Skate Cat is a game by Seiji and Dale Coop. They're a dream team. Dream team. Father and Son, making NES games. That's actually, as we're recording, that is, uh, has a limited run games release. Pre-order for that is open until December 3rd, 2023. Go for it. Get it while you can. Choo Choo Mimic is out now for NES. So this is uh, Alistair Lowe and the YouTuber John Riggs. It's a puzzle game where you can only turn left. You are a knight in a dungeon and you are out to get eaten by a fake treasure chest and you can only turn left. Very unique. I did some uh, beta testing on that very briefly. And it was uh, definitely a, a cute experience. It's a it's a very nice. low tech games kind of joint. Uh, very funny. Cool. Gunhawk, Gunhawk for NES light gun game. Super cool. You play with uh, the light gun in one hand and a NES controller in the other. And a great vibe. Very cool. Check it out. AVS. If you are looking for the AVS uh, to play your Nintendo games, your NES games in 720p. You can get an AVS. By God, they are back in stock. Go get one. All right. Holy crap. That was a lot of games. Woo. <sighs> I got to breathe. I got to breathe. Oh, my God. Space. All right. Uh, what What was your news? Don't you have news? You uh, me I, have, I have news. It, it's news that I literally just found just before this episode started. And I'm pretty interested in it. More interested than I have been in anything else from Analog. Because Analog have announced that they are going to be developing... The Analog 64. Oh, I know about that. Oh, well, then why didn't you announce it? I don't know, because I forgot to put it on my damn notes. Well, then, 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 then I'm sorry. Well, you were all can't help, but oh, I can't you don't know. No, I, yeah, no, uh, yes, they are. Yeah, they're coming out with a uh, Analog. It's a bit of a cop-out now, 64. Nick. Come on. Yeah, but, really? Oh, yeah, I knew about that already. Come on. Well, I just, I didn't know. I'm like, you, you heard my news section. My God. Like, I'm just like, it's just nothing but bullshit. <laughs> no, you're right. It's right. It's true. We only record now like once every two months. That's too much goddamn time for news. I'm telling you what. It's true. We got to get on it. But uh, yeah, they're making their own custom FGPA. And I'm really excited because it seems like it'll actually be able to do full on hardware implementation of N64, which has been expected to be impossible for about the past 10 years. Impossible. And it's just so funny whenever somebody says that emulating something is impossible, there's always some person who just manages to find a way, and I'm always excited to see how that looks like. So, Well, listen, Analog does not do emulation. They do FPGA. Yes, you're right. Which is fancy emulation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to make a lot of enemies with that statement, yeah, but okay, at the okay. same time, yes. Uh, I am, no, I'm just super excited that it's getting to that point where we're seeing that every retro console that people want to play with can be turned into a 4K HD experience, which is kind of wild. Yeah, I love it. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> it's a great time to be alive. Okay, our next game. 
will not be full quiet. We had a, a little debate about this, and we decided that uh, we're going to need a little more time to to do full quiet. We uh, we did not want to jump on the full quiet train with the holidays approaching. So I think that makes sense. And if uh, you guys want to hear this podcast episode anytime within the next six months or so, uh, we're going to have to kick this one down the road just another another uh, little bit. I did not want to do another NES game since we've uh, we've done a couple of those now. We're going to do short shoot 'em ups. So I have been on a, a big shoot 'em up kick for the last couple of years. These are three uh, kind of butt kicking games, so they will kick your ass, but they'll only do it for five minutes at a time. So nice. Uh, yeah, we have three games that we're going to play: Omega Blast for the Mega Drive and Genesis, Flight of Pigarus for the Sega Master System. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we're going to do Dangan GB2. So that is a that is the Boss Rush Game Boy Color game. All three of those games, you can find the uh, the files online for free. I'm going to have links to them in the description of this podcast. And you can also find them on our Discord server, which you should join and jump on there and talk about games with us. Now, if you are working ahead for this podcast, as we will be, Uh, and you would like to play along to Full Quiet with us, I'd go ahead and get started on that. And if you want to talk about Full Quiet, you can jump on and to our Discord server. And there is a a Discord channel for Full Quiet that has been up since January, and it is very populated. And so if you would like to go ahead and start playing that game, you can jump in there and talk about it. I know the three of us are going to start playing Full Quiet now so that we will be able to talk about it after we uh, do this Shoot'em Ups episode. So, all right. Is that it? Do we have anything else? Pretty sure no. that's it. I got to bounce, it. guys. This was great. You got to bounce. You got to get out of here. All right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Special thanks to our guests, Megacraft G, Golden Gamer, and Grit Shot. <laughs> okay. This has been the Homebrew Game Club Podcast. You can find links to our Discord, back episodes of the show, or other social media links at homebrewgameclub.com. And you can look for us on your social media app of choice at HB Game Club. If you like the show, please help us out by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or by telling all of your retro gaming friends about our podcast. If you have comments or a suggestion for a game that you'd like to hear us talk about, shoot us a message on social media or on our Discord, or you can email us at homebrewgameclub at gmail.com. Our opening music is by Twee. You can find him on X at TUI2A03, where you can also find a link to his SoundCloud. Our outro music is by Raftronaut, and you can also find him on X at 0000Jordan. You can find me, Nick, on your favorite social media apps as Divertov. That's D-V-E-R-T-O-V. Bart is on Instagram as clever username needed, no spaces, and Connor is on various social media at C-O-N-O-R-N-A-S-H, also no spaces. Tune in next time to the Homebrew Game Club when we will be talking about Omega Blast, Flight of Pigarus, and Dangan GB2. Thank you for listening. Woo! Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. End the recording so we can download it. Are we going to do another episode with me in it? Are we? Yes. I don't know. I guess we got to have some kids make some more games. Yes, we do.